Ladies and gentlemen around the world, welcome to the Film Deviant Podcast. Yeah!
What is going on, party people of the world? Hope everybody's doing well out there. Um, I'm doing okay, in case anybody needs to hear that. Um, if you haven't figured it out, I'm Brian, and this is Film Deviant that you are listening to. And thank you very much for tuning in and perhaps subscribing and writing a, a fun review because I'm the only one that, you know, reads that stuff and it kind of strokes my ego a little bit. So it's always nice <laughs> or you don't have to. It's all good anyway. But speaking of all good, I have with me a special friend, a special guest, somebody that um, was on the show previously and Hopefully this turns into a regular thing because I love the guy and I love to have, I just love to like talk with the guy. So welcome AC, otherwise known as Aaron. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, hey, Kevin. How are you? <laughs> should, should we go into the it Kevin is, thing? It or? is Kevin, right? It is, it's Kevin. <laughs> so for those who don't know, when I first met Brian, uh, it was at a horror hound convention and it was very noisy and loud. And uh, our mutual friend, John Pata, introduced me this new cool cat. And he said, hey, this is Kevin. And I went, awesome. And then John went away. And I spent the next hour introducing Kevin to everybody uh, that I knew. And, like, Brian would keep going, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? But he never would correct me. When, and then, like, John shows back up, and I'm like, Kevin's awesome. And John's like, who's Kevin? And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is Kevin. And he's like, That's, his name's Brian. I'm like, what are you, wait. And I look over at Brian, and Brian's, like, looking at me all sheepish. <laughs> and I'm like, why didn't you tell me I was saying your name wrong? He's like, I don't know. It was just so nice. Like, you were just introducing me to everybody. So I just figured, you know, I'd be Kevin for now. It's funny it because a, it's like in, it in hindsight, yeah. in hindsight, it was like, uh, you know, I didn't want to be rude and like, you know, correct <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Next time you just, you just got to be rude because I'm going to be, you know, oblivious. So I'm, I've been Kevin, I've been monikered uh, Kevin from, uh, you know. From then until whenever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I figure that's what you wanted me to call you because <laughs> you didn't say anything. Well, anyway, so yes, no, I I, uh, I adore this man, and I'm I'm glad to be sharing the mic with you again. Thanks. One, one little note, though, like I don't I don't know if uh, you've read out there in the internet land or whatever, but I guess Kevin is looked at as like the male equivalent of what Karen is these days. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I I read that and I was like, "Oh, really? That's that's a shame." <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I I honestly, this is how out of the loop I am. I don't yeah. really know what the Karen reference is, so I really don't know what the Kevin reference is. Yeah. But anyway. No. I don't follow the interwebs except, you know, <laughs> cool stuff like this. Right, right. Um, so how have you been, like, since I last spoke to you? You know what? Uh, things are pretty good. Uh, it is uh, the end of July. Um, my, uh, I'm a personal trainer in my other life, and the, uh, 
the gyms just started opening up and so we're kind of navigating those waters mm. um, and it's you know like as in all things as in all things if everybody is just considerate of everybody else this can work yeah uh, and if they are not if they are selfish and awful and mean then it won't work yeah. and uh you know like that's uh that's really now's the time people uh so it's 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 interesting to watch the dynamics where it's like okay are we all gonna protect our village and you know yeah. all be nice and considerate to each other uh, yeah. Or we're looking out for number one, and it's interesting to see, you know, like the the struggle, <laughs> the eternal struggle continue. Right, right. And actually, um, to your point, you know, I, I drove through the the city of Chicago yesterday because um, I left Fine my dog city. with Fine City. Oh, beautiful city. Um, I left my dog with a friend uh, because I took the family uh, camping over the weekend social you know social distance kind of camping because there's nobody in the woods so <laughs> but um so, <laughs> so you hope right <laughs> <laughs> too many uh, horror films uh there are there where there's nobody in the well, woods i don't like slashers so i'm good yeah right you know? <laughs> you're like what are you talking about there's nothing in the woods maybe a witch or two that's it actually i saw i i watched one last night um that i'm recording uh a show with for tomorrow that takes place in the woods um, as a little bit of a teaser because um, I, I don't know like when these will air or whatever but um, it's to, it's a, it's one of these Sasquatch movies um, <laughs> I, thought, I, thought you were, I, thought, I thought you were saying you watched a slasher movie but no it's no, a Sasquatch no, no. it's a Sasquatch <laughs> slasher movie <laughs> right so um it just reminded me because like there were moments where you're in the woods and then you hear like noises out there and it's like holy what the hell's going on you know um but anyway i left my dog with a friend so i'm driving through the city to pick up my dog and i noticed like people out like so they're you know in, in the city the gyms are sort of like you know a little fancier or whatever i would say like a, a little smaller but um they're like you know, compared to like, if you go out in the suburbs, the gyms are like much bigger, you know, they're, they're like, they almost look like superstores of, you know, these gyms or whatever. Um, but these smaller ones, I noticed like they were actually having their classes outside, outdoors, out on the street, you know, like, so it's like, it's very interesting to see how everything is sort of navigating towards, you know, with, with social distancing and still trying to do things, um, you know, still trying to make a living and still trying to, you know, balance everything out. Um, I mentioned to somebody uh, just the other day about this new normal and she almost bit my head, my head off because she hated the term new normal. Um, but I think that's what it is. Like, I, I think when you look out there, it's like, what you're doing these days is becoming normal. You know, like whenever I go into a store, it's like I forget my mask because you know my mind is still being trained that that's what I need to do in order to enter. So it's like it feels very much like this brand new kind of normal kind of thing. But but I'm happy that that you know um, your world is sort of coming back in some form, right? Like that. I think that's. That's uh, with everybody's passions, everybody's, um, you know, how they make a living, 
it's like it almost offers a little bit of solace right like it's almost like we were all shut down and now it's sort of like you know carefully of course opening up but it's like you know you're back doing what what you like to do so i think that's really cool to hear yeah i mean we're we're negotiating that's 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 all we can do right now it's a it's a brave new world and uh we will continue to explore it together yes yeah so what brings you onto my show if i may be so bold to ask why did you want to come back on my show like nobody ever wants to come back on my show why 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 um (laughs) because honestly because i had such a good time last time um it was a lot of fun and, and i thought uh and i i mean what what led us back this time was uh, after uh, I did June Claude Van Dam with you. You said I told you what I was doing the next month, and you said, "Well, perhaps you could do something within that because I'm doing Sly in July," which I think is amazing. Like these concepts that that you're doing for each film, you know. Like I was jealous when when you told me about uh, the Jean-Claude one, because I, I totally, like, I would love to talk to you about a Jean-Claude movie. Um, <laughs> but when you mentioned Sly in July, I was like, ooh, like, here's an opportunity. So we were talking about a bunch of movies, right? Yep. Um, what, what were some of the, uh, I think, oh, Rocky IV. We were, we were going to do Rocky IV, and then we kind of, like, backed off well, on that one, and then Over the Top was the film. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, which I still would love to do. Um, I, I, well, I saw over the top on your behalf. You know, mm-hmm. that was the first. That was the first entry in Sly in July because I thought we were going to talk about it. Right, but we landed on this one because I feel like okay. So I haven't seen this one since God since I was really young. Okay. Oh, that's great! I'm glad you got back to it. Yeah, yeah, and and I've been. It's one of those films that I've been meaning to like go back and check out or whatever. But I just, you know, my my Sylvester Stallone, um, I guess, like knowledge doesn't go be like Rambo. The Rambo movies were huge for me when I was growing up, and then it was uh, the Rocky movies, of course. But I, you know, I think I like it was around that time I sort of gravitated towards um, Jean Claude Van Damme. And then I got into, you know, like the Hong Kong Kung Fu movies and all that stuff. Um, so I never really got back to Sly, unfortunately, you know. Every once in a while, he'd come out with a movie with Antonio Banderas, you know. And then, like, I'd go check it out and be like, oh, Assassins is actually not too bad, you know. Yep. Um, and then he did Copland, and it was like, you know, it, it kind of gave me pause because I've always looked at Sly as like an action guy. And mm-hmm. for him to do something like dramatic, it was like, wow, you know, although like I will argue to the death that the man is an, an actual like he could be a decent actor. I think like he's a good performer. And when he's on on, you know, on screen, it's like he's got that magnetism to him, which, you know, make, made him bankable in the 80s. But it was this film that was introduced to me via Terror in the Isles back in the day. Yeah, uh, because before 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 that like compilation of all these movies, I'd actually discovered a bunch of other ones through that. Yep. I did not know about this one film. I was like, "Wow, like Sly is in a wig and like you know, <laughs> like what's going on here?" So it's Nighthawks from 1981. 
um, starring Sylvester Stallone, and also the American debut of Mr. Rutger Hauer, which is one he's always been a favorite of mine. Is this trip business or pleasure? Pleasure, I hope. Welcome to the United States. Hamer Reinhardt, sometimes called Wolfgar. Born Frankfurt, Germany, 1946. Educated Paris and Patrice Lumumba University, Moscow. Currently self-employed. Occupation, international terrorist. You are to be indoctrinated in counter-terrorist techniques. Deke de Silva, age 35. Born and raised New York City. Honorable discharge, U.S. Army, 1972. 52 registered kills. Occupation, cop. One man can bring the world to its knees. And only one man can stop him. Universal Pictures presents Sylvester Stallone in Nighthawks, coming in April. So, first of all, did you enjoy this film? Well, yeah, I, I actually, much like you, I encountered uh, this movie through Terror in the Isles. You did? Um, oh, no, I thought, I, yeah, I was going to say, when you said that, I was like, dude, you just, like stole my line. Because that was, that was how I came across it as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I made a point of tracking down all the movies that were in Terror yes. in the Isles. This yes, was one sir. of them. Um, and it, it, it was one of those where I was a little disappointed because I was like, well, this isn't really a horror movie. You know, like, and I was kind of like, well, you know, like, if this is what it takes to be a horror movie, I guess, you know, in right. the same way that, like, Vice Squad is also another one in Terror in the Isles, where I'm like, that's not really a horror movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad I saw it as a result. So, I mean, it's, it's funny, because, like, you know, the, the, that was, that was right at the edge. I mean, like, when Terror in the Isles came out, that was one of the, um, that was early in the video era, mm -hmm. and I remember that being a, like a big rental for a lot of us uh, burgeoning horror fans yes. yep. in uh, high school and junior high. That was like our internet, basically. Right? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> you know, like clip, clip. No, honestly, you're right though, because like clip shows and clip mm -hmm. films, we were like, holy, what, what's that? You know, and you'd watch the credits and like write down the the names of the movies and then, you know, pray for them to come on TV or, uh, right. like, you know, when, once the video era hit, you like look at scouting around trying to find it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this, so I really liked this movie and I had seen, uh, I feel like I, I either saw, I, I think I saw this and then I saw the hitcher. Okay. And, and then blade runner. You know, so like the three of them were very close together. I couldn't tell you which one I saw first, but those three made me the Rutger Hauer fan that I was. Yeah. 
because um, I just thought he was amazing in The Hitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably my favorite Rutger Hauer movie. You mean it's not um, Blind Fury? <laughs> it's, it, you know what? Someday it will be, but I haven't seen Blind Fury yet. Oh, really? Oh, my God. We should do like a, a hour <laughs> in like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> August or something. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's, um, it's one of those 80s, you know, spinoff kind of movies where it's like yeah. um, all these like, you know, uh, Asian kind of styles or whatever. And, you know. And that's the thing. It's 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 such a weird trajectory for Rutger Hauer, you know, because he's introduced here as a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably, his biggest film, which is uh, Blade Runner, um, he's a villain in that one. So it's like he's got that villain thing going for him, you know. And then he does something like uh, what was that one, Lady Hawk, that he did sure. with yeah. Matthew Broderick, and he's sort of like a hero figure in that one. So it's like he, he's just a very interesting um, actor with all the different roles that he's played. Um, and then, you know, I think uh, Anne Rice uh, wanted him originally as uh, Lestat for uh, the Vampire Chronicle movies, you know. Yep. So, Rutger Hauer, man. Like, I, I, I think it's the one-year anniversary of his passing, and I, I just miss the guy's presence, like, in this world, you know? You know what? You're right. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I think uh, I'm looking at his his uh, July 19th. So yeah, yeah. It just it just passed. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like when I he's one of those guys that like you know you you just think he's gonna be there forever, and then when you hear of his passing, I just remember like I was just like fuck, like he's gone. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. So it was actually really cool to see him in this film. Um. Because, like I said, I hadn't seen this since I was much younger. Um, and I've always been wanting to revisit this one. Uh, because I knew, um, in, in just my memories and whatnot, I felt like, okay, this is the one where he's stalking somebody. And, uh, like, I totally forgot a lot of the premise of this film. I forgot that it was, like, uh, this terrorism kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so... When that happened, like, so when, when Rutger Hauer is first introduced, he's got that beard, he's got that prosthetic nose piece or something. So it's like, is that him? Like, what's going on? I almost thought it was a different actor, and then, like, he's introduced later on or whatever, but, you know, like, like it's just a, such a cool introduction to this cool actor, right? Like, yeah. if you think about it, it's like nobody's, nobody in the U.S. knew who he was up until then, and he's introduced... You know, almost like in a dual role kind of thing. Um, so it's just very interesting. It's very interesting to see that, to see Billy D. Williams show up. I, I, I totally forgot he was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was riding high on his Empire Strikes Back uh, mojo. Right, right, right. And, and actually, it, it's such a sweet spot because this one was shot in 1980, yeah. um, came out in 1981. So you had a lot of these, um, and I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll, I'll, we'll probably talk about this other actor that's in this film a little bit later. But all these movies came out in, you know, like in this early '80s era kind of thing. You know, like when you look at all the Rocky movies, they were out around that time. Two came out in '80, I think, or '81. Two was '79. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm totally sorry. off on that one. <laughs> but then Rocky Three was 82, right? Correct, yeah. 
So this is like sandwiched right in the middle. Um, and you look at Stallone, the, just the, his look. It's it's like that vintage, like late eighties, early or late seventies, early eighties Stallone. Yep. Um, and then like you got somebody like Billy D. You got Rutger Hauer. Like all these films, it's like a cluster of them came out in the early eighties. And like you got a group of actors, and not to mention the director, right? Like I looked up the director, and the most interesting I found, almost the most interesting thing I found out about Bruce Malmuth is that he was a ring announcer in Karate Kid. Like that just <laughs> stole my heart. I was like, oh my god, that's that's amazing. Um, but he also directed Hard to Kill, so it's like it's very steeped in that '80s stuff, but it's also that like turn of the decade kind of vibe going go to it you know so it's you, you you do have some of that like uh, i want to call it like 70s mid 70s kind of stalker kind of movies um you know almost like uh dress to kill you almost get that sort of vibe to it you know mm -hmm. um like when stallone is first introduced in this movie he's like you know so here's an interesting bit <laughs> I, I keep interrupting myself <laughs> um i watched this one with my wife and it's the first time she's ever seen this movie and i didn't tell her anything about it right so it's just like unfolding before her eyes so when she sees sly's introduction as you know in the old lady getup, uh she was blown away she was like I, I did not know he was in this movie like i didn't know anything about this movie I didn't know he was an old woman. <laughs> He's playing an old woman in this movie. <laughs> um, so it was, it was very interesting to see it through her, her eyes. I'm sort of like recollecting the film myself. Um, so just like as somebody, like my wife is a big Rocky Four fan. Uh, she loves the Rambo movies. So um, when she watched this movie, it was like, Oh wow! Like Stallone can act, you know, <laughs> like, which is like I felt it was such a I don't know. I, I've always felt like that was such an unfair um, sort of label to put on Sylvester Stallone, you know. But it's true. Like he does a lot of those subtle gestures in this movie. Um, he has that um, that aura of like hero, right? But at the same time, it's like there's a lot of conflict with everything because you know he's transit so before we get you know before i interrupt myself for the 20th time here what what is this movie about <laughs> oh you gonna give you gonna give me the exposition nice <laughs> thanks martinez <laughs> it's about um yeah it's about uh oh i don't know about uh, an hour and 39 minutes <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, you've got, you got Sly and Billy D set up as your two cops mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they're, they're very much, you know, like the, they, they're hot shots. They do things their way. They don't want to listen to the man or the rules or any of this garbage. And I, I love, I love like their dynamic in the movie. You know what I mean? Like it felt like they were down for each other, you know, sure. like, you know, like, cause sometimes you do get that buddy cop conflict thing where it's like good cop bad cop kind of vibe or whatever but it's like when you whenever you see stallone do something in the movie it's like B billy d is like right there with him you know now i that's an interesting point because when 
my wife and I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Billy D is actually totally useless in this movie. He's always there, but he yeah. never does anything. He is never the hero. And True. the scuttlebutt on this movie, if you'll interrupt my exposition, uh, <laughs> the scuttlebutt on this movie was that uh, Stallone was, you know, hot at this time. You know, yeah. like he was, he he had had a huge success with Rocky Two. Mm-hmm. This was the first movie after that, um, and uh, he had the original director Gary Nelson thrown off the movie. He's and the one that did it. He's the one that like had him thrown so, off. So, there was there there was a difference of opinion. There was a uh, you know artistic differences, uh-huh. and so Stallone had uh, Gary Nelson removed wow. and brought in Bruce Malmuth. But in the meantime. Uh, in the meantime, Sly like directed like two two days before yeah. Malmuth showed up. Yeah. Uh, but also he, Sly was also instrumental in changing a lot of the script. He doesn't take a screenplay credit on this one, but that's kind of like Stallone's mo for better or for yeah. worse is that he yeah. he likes to tinker with all the scripts uh, so that they suit him better. Yeah. Um, now he he directed that um, subway scene, right? The opening subway. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So you know, like, uh, so anyway, so Stallone. I mean, Michelle and I were joking. It's like, you know, Stallone basically wrote himself to be the hero at all times. Like nobody else gets to do anything. Billy D gets to stand around and be ineffectual. Uh, <laughs> And apparently he'd written himself a large scene with uh, Lindsay Wagner, our favorite bionic woman, mm. and the studio ended up cutting it out. So this was a much tinkered with movie, and so it's kind of amazing it turned out as well as it did. Very much tinkered, right? Like, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's been cut yeah, out of like, movie. Yeah, like Stallone messed with it. Well, you, had, you went through two directors, three if you count Sly. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stallone's tinkering with it. Uh, then the, then the studio tinkers with it and cuts stuff out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, again, it's, it's impressive that it turned out as well as it did. And I think your comment to, um, Stallone, uh, being a better actor than he often gets credit for, I think that's exactly what he was, uh, shooting for at this time when yeah. he did Rocky in 76, like he became like an instant, like folk hero, like everybody knew, like Stallone was the story. Right. And so then he did he did two movies following that. He did a movie called Fist, where he plays mm-hmm. like a Jimmy Hoffa character. And he did Paradise Alley, which he directed, wrote, produced, etc. Mm-hmm. And neither of those were big critical hits. And okay. people were knocking his acting. They're like, oh, you know, Rocky, basically he was just playing himself. He can't play anything but a punch-truck fighter. And then he did Rocky Two, which again doesn't prove anything new. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, he can play Rocky. That's what we know. Yeah. And so Nighthawks was a big proving ground for him. That's why he grew the beard. That's why he has the glasses. It's like he really wanted to do everything that was kind of anti-Rocky. Yeah. And uh, I think he did a nice job of of doing something different. Um, you know, like they call him like growing out his Serpico beard. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, he was he was making a concentrated effort to distance himself from the image that had been presented. Right. Right. Um, and 
but the, again, the scuttlebutt is that during test screenings, Stallone noticed that uh, Rucker Hauer was running off with the movie. Mm. And so his scenes were trimmed down. Really? Uh-huh. So he, <laughs> he, he, cut down, he cut down some of Rucker's stuff. He rewrote some of Rucker's stuff, like the final scene uh, in the house. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't supposed to be Stallone in the dress. Okay. That was rewritten so that Stallone could be in the dress. <laughs> because and like the technical advisor, this is on the, the Shout Factory Blu-ray, by the way, which I highly recommend. Lots of great featurettes and whatnot. But yeah, the technical advisor who was the the cop, he was like, that would never happen. Like you would never be the guy in the dress. We would have a female we would have female officer there and you could be like around the corner and Stallone's <laughs> like, no, I'm the guy in the dress. And, yeah. and then like, apparently like he was pushing, uh, Rucker Hauer like harder than he needed to. And like the two of them nearly got in a fight about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of history behind this one. And again, it's, it's kind of impressive that it's as good as it is considering, I mean, Bruce Malmuth is not, um, you know, you get the impression that he kind of was doing what his star was asking him to do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, it's it's going to be a debate as to whose movie it actually ended up being. Right, right. And it, it's funny that you mention all that stuff about Stallone really strong arming his way into this movie or whatever, um, because I will say, like the 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 opening. Um, subway sequence. It's very actually it's pretty impressive. The the way that it opens and you get like some foreground shot and then you get a lot of um, almost like, like the camera sort of tricks you into like, you know, what's actually going on or whatever. And I think it's very hard to pull that off, especially if you're the actor, the focal point of the scene and you're directing it, you know, so it's like you're telling people where to put the camera and do this or whatever. Um, and then you look at the rest of the movie and it doesn't quite match up to that opening sequence, I think, you know, so it's, it's interesting because it's, I think Stallone has always been like wanting to be that auteur kind of thing. Um, and you know, his directing is actually pretty great. Um, when you consider, you know, the Rocky movies, the Rambo movies that he's directed, um, staying alive. (laughs) (laughs) let's not forget staying alive how can you forget oh my god i saw that for the first time last year and it like nearly destroyed me i think that's like the second time in two podcasts that you and i were in that we've mentioned staying alive because you can't not mention staying alive (laughs) um so yeah so it's just very interesting that you know Stallone's stamp is on this movie and I, I didn't know that about um, it's interesting that he would put himself in the, the sort of feminine role at the very end to trick um, Wolfgar right? That's his name, yes. Wolfgar <laughs> or, or as Sly likes to say it, Wolfgar Wolfgar <laughs> Wolfgar because um, like I, I think, you know, artistically that's a great choice to put your, you know, to put the cop in that role because obviously you're walking up to that and you're going to see the frame. It's not the same or whatever, but just the way that the camera moves and the way that Rucker is stalking, you know, his prey or whatever, 
It's yep. very, it's one of those almost Jalo-esque, uh, you know, where like the camera wants you to see a certain thing and then like the director flips it on you and it's like, oh my God, that's such a twist or whatever. Right. Um, Brian De Palma does that stuff a lot, you know. Um, I think it's, I mean, I mean, I think it's absolutely worth mentioning. I mean, I think Stallone has a great knack for what the populace wants to see. Yeah. Like he knows how to present his role as a hero. Right. You know, like right. there's a reason why those are his big successes, um, is that where it's very kind of, uh, it's the hero's journey, you know, like watching him, uh, you know, he's presented as strong, he encounters weakness, he overcomes and, you know, triumphs. Right. And then, and then to like a lot of what you said earlier about a lot of this film being chopped down, it's a shame because like I feel there's some like true blue expositional stuff going on between Stallone's character, between uh, him and his, you know, L Lindsay Wagner, um, his love interest and whatnot. And then like the dynamic between the lieutenant. Yeah. Joe Spinell. The lieutenant. <laughs> yeah. Joe Spinell of Maniac Bank. So that's another thing. When I, when I sat down to watch this again, I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> this is going on i didn't realize how great this movie was um, right it's gazo from the rocky movie <laughs> right <laughs> which i think this was the last like i don't know they did something like i don't know if he pissed stallone off or whatever but i think this is the last time that they ever like worked together again i think yeah. that's true and i yeah. think there may have been yeah there may have been some some conflict i seem right to right, right. So it, it's it's just it's interesting that like all this conflict exists, but it's like you know you don't get to see it. You don't get to see like Stallone's character actually you know building a true character and whatnot. You know, so right. in that regard, I, I would have. So does that Scream Factory edition have like a longer? So that they don't, they don't, and that was oh. that was a huge like they. I mean, all the all the. Uh, comments leading up to it were hopefully this will have the deleted scenes. Hopefully this will have deleted scenes. Apparently deleted scenes are lost to the uh, sands of time. We will never see them. That um, sucks. Because again, this is a good movie, but I would I, it, I would love like a two and a half hour cut of this movie. You know. Well, I mean, Lindsay Wagner talks on there and says like that Sly had some like really beautiful scenes um, mm. where. You got to see more of the actor in him, and that's right. you know, like, I mean, that's why he wrote them was so that he could demonstrate that side of him. Yeah. Um, but you know, the studio was like, uh, "We need to move this along here," and <laughs> away they and away those went. So I mean, and and for the for the purposes of the film, they may not have been wrong. Yeah. You know, in terms yeah. of serving the story, which is you know about this terrorist, you know, right. like we we need to move things along. And it's also interesting that it is like a like a terrorist kind of movie because this was originally written as a sequel to The French Connection, right? I believe I I, I may have heard that it certainly inspired along those lines. Because I, I think like when you look at you know film lore and you see how movies come to be or whatever, I think this was originally devised as like a vehicle for Gene Hackman or something, and oh, then wow. that sort of what's up. I said, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I guess that sort of broke through, and then it morphed into what it ultimately became, you know. So, um, 
when you consider that like the hero of this of this movie was supposed to be Gene Hackman, and then now you have Sly Stallone, it's like such a you know night and day kind of thing or whatever. Um, so it, it like I I'm a sucker for '70s movies. I feel like this movie has that sort of '70s aesthetic, '70s kind of vibe to it. Sure. Um, but like turning into you know the '80s kind of thing, right? Um, you know, when I saw Joe Spinell like show up, I was like, "This is this is that like grimy New York um, era, right?" Like with Ma- they they showcase it with Maniac, and then with something like this, it's like you you still get to feel that grime. Like when they're in that nightclub and he's like stalking, you know, see where Wolfgar is. Like I just felt very like tense like edge of my seat because i was like oh my god this is like where they're gonna meet and then you know um so there's a lot of cool stuff in this movie i i I love movies that almost make you like the villain better than the hero (laughs) yeah and and rucker is very charismatic as an actor anyway um so him playing the terrorist in, in this movie he's very ruthless um he seeks out something and he does it. You know what I mean? Like he's not one of those guys that hands things. Like there's a scene early on when like he's at some party playing a fucking guitar and then like the Gestapo show up or whatever and he's like, fuck this and he kills everybody with a like a machine gun. You know? <laughs> like I just thought like, man. And then, oh my God, the, the op- like the, in- I guess the introduction to Wolfgar where he meets a very pretty uh, cosmetics girl or whatever. Um, yep, she's a perfume she sales girl. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, slides that bag underneath the counter, and it's like, you. and that's where it was like, oh, my God, I saw this in, you know, Terror in the Isles. This, this exact <laughs> scene or whatever. Um, so, like, I just, I forgot how great this movie is. Um, I'm glad well, that. Also, I mean, can you can you think of a cooler villain name than Wolfgar? You know, no. like Wolfgar is pretty <laughs> darn great. You guys, right. you're going to call your villain something. Wolfgar is pretty top of the list. <laughs> but, and then the, it shows almost like, like he does have some sympathy, right? When he's in that cable car and, you know, he releases the child. It's like. He's not all like bad. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> he's not super ruthless. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's such um when when you when you look at it through the filter of you know how we've dealt with terrorism as a society, and then you have this like coming on the turn of the eighties, you know. So you have, I guess it's the Cold War back then that you know in Germany. And all that stuff, like, back then, right? Like, well, like, I remember, like, the, the, the breaking of the, the Berlin Wall. Right. It was, like, in the, in the 80s. So it was, like, it was all, like, that real high political thing going on back then. Um, I was growing up, so it was, like, when. Oh, I see. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, sure, the Soviet Union and it's uh, the, the Eastern Bloc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, in my prism of, like, watching this movie when I was younger, I didn't watch it in 1981 because I was too busy watching Rambo and <laughs> Rocky or whatever. Um, but later on, I was still, like, I would say early teens, maybe, when I first watched this one. Because um, yeah. it was right after 
I saw it in Terror in the Isles, and I was like, I need to see this movie. It's got Sly in it, you know. Um, and then I loved Rutger Hauer from those 80s movies. So watching it back then, it was like, wow, like, it's very steeped in that, like, political kind of um, flavor to it. Like, it's, you know, it's very, like, we need to take care of this guy before he does another terrorist act. We need to find him. And it almost, like, it brings back to the forefront, like, terrorist cells and, and just things that can happen. Like, you know, if somebody's in a desperate position, when he hijacks the whole cable car or, or whatever, like, it's just such a crazy... Um, like that whole scene where he's being chased after they find him in the club and he's, you know, running through the subway and like he's got a, a hostage or whatever. Like when you looked at when you look at today's society, you know, and, and things that happen um, and, you know, like I don't watch too much news because it's always like, oh, there's a shooting or whatever. Um, but like these things exist, you know, and, and it's like it's a sly movie where he's not going off somewhere to like save a bunch of PO, uh, you know, prisoners of war or whatever. Um, or like, he's like killing every, everybody or whatever. Like he's like, like, I almost feel like he's very vulnerable as well to like this terrorism that's going on because it's like, it's so, it's so cloaked. Like you don't know what's, what's going to happen. You don't, you know, like the, the whole bombing, uh, when he arrives, when, uh, Wolfgar, arrives in, in the US and he does that like massive bombing. It's just like, you know, you, you see that shit in the news and it's like, holy shit, like this is real life. Like shit, like I've lived through things like this, you know. Um so that that kind of caught me a little off guard this time watching it, you know, as I'm, I'm much older and I've dealt with things like 9-11 and and you know um bombings just here and there or whatever. It was just like, wow, like, you know, this was back in 1981, um, and they're doing stuff like this. So it's like, I don't know if uh, terrorism necessarily has, like, its own subgenre or whatever, but it's just very interesting. Because at the at the very end of the movie, it turns into almost like a stalker kind of film. Like, you know, like, he's, he, he knows, I guess, that uh, Irene is Sylvester Stallone's girlfriend or whatever. Um now that's the question that I had for you. Like, how did how does he find out like all these details about like Sly's character and stuff like that? Like, how does he know that he's the guy that he's like focused on? You know. Well, he he finds out who's stalking him. Like he he does find out who the two cops are that are on his case. But there uh, wasn't really a scene like like if you remember in Seven, they, they got that one little shot of. Um, doesn't he get the information from his his female counterpart? Doesn't Wolfgar get the information about who it is? Because that's why he requests okay. Sly to come up into the he he right. says you come up and and confront me. So I mean he's had the interaction with him already. He's had the personal connection with him. Okay, because I thought it was more like um, you know I, this guy is like. He basically fingered me in the club, and I know that sounds a lot dirtier than it should, but um, <laughs> he knows who I am, so now I'm focused to, like, eliminating this guy before he, like, moves in on me kind of thing, right? It's almost like, but that's the thing, like, for me, it felt very forced, like, cat and mouse, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't, there wasn't a scene in there where it was, like, uh, like, I don't know, like, Stallone 
shoots him and he gets him in the ear. Now Wolfgar is like making it personal or whatever. You know, like it, it wasn't like this is my nemesis and I have to like, you know, it's almost like this is just another terrorist and I have to snuff him out before he does worse shit or whatever, you know. Um, so and I, I only say that because like there's a lot of in a lot of Stallone movies, that's sort of the vehicle, that's sort of the template where it's like the bad guy does something, you know, he wrongs um, Stallone in some way, or, or Stallone wrongs the bad guy, so it make it they make it very personal. Whereas in this well, movie, it's just more about terrorism. I, I mean, you know? I, I I actually would disagree with you because I mean, it does, you know, like uh, first off, like that's his assignment. Like you know, like he's mm-hmm. he's given that assignment to track this guy, so he becomes Stallone's focus, mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that he injures his partner makes it personal okay. on that on that in that respect and the fact that uh like the fact that uh, stallone is tracking wolfgar i mean that's why wolfgar brings him up to humiliate him you know mm. to show that he has the control um and then when he escapes you know that's why again it becomes personal again it's like you know like um uh, it, they, they do keep kind of like putting each other at odds with each other. Um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I think, I think it does, I think it is personal. I think it's interesting what you brought up though. I think you, you, you comment about this being kind of like a movie that is literally and figuratively and stylistically on the brink between the seventies and the eighties. Right. Um, because it is a, it wants to be a gritty cop movie, a character study, but at the same time, it's moving toward that kind of slick, uh, action, hero-driven thriller. Yeah. And so, you know, like you, you, where you have a very clear good guy and a very clear bad guy, uh, which is kind of going to become uh, Stallone's stock in trade as he moves into the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Uh, it's like you know, it, it is there. There, there is no ambiguity. Now, there is a sense. I think. I think it kind of like whispers at it. I don't know if it actually goes full force of, you know, like the cop becoming as bad as the thing that he's seeking. Right. You know, like, right. Like I mean, he's already set up kind of as a rule breaker and mm-hmm. somebody who isn't interested in in playing by by the rules. So I mean, that's kind of established from the beginning. Yeah, but I you feel like that's kind of uh, that's what they're demonstrating is like Wolfgar cannot be caught by somebody who plays by the rules. He right. needs to be you know somebody who's willing to fight outside the system, and that's something that harkens back to you know like Dirty Harry mm-hmm. and you know Bronson movies. It's like you know this this is the way you deal with it is you have to make it personal. You have to deal with it outside of conventional law and rules. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then and then to that point, I, I wish that there was a longer cut because I feel like that would have been, you know, you would have seen more of that, you know, in, in a longer cut of this film. Right. You know? Well, and I, but I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, I don't, I feel like that's why this this movie has a has an identity problem. Mm-hmm. If it is a problem, it's like it, it wants to be both, but it's not really either. Right. Uh, and so while it's still a satisfying product, I don't think it is fully, you know, 80s. I don't think it is fully 70s. I think mm-hmm. you would have to 
compromise or like you say, you know, like have a longer cut. I don't know that this movie can sustain a longer cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, yeah. the action itself is not exciting enough. The character itself is not deep enough. Um, I mean, we won't, there's there's no ninjas in the movie, so there's zero ninjas. <laughs> so uh, I mean, I uh, but again, to to Stallone's credit, I think that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to do a gritty. He was trying to do a Serpico. You know, like mm -hmm. he wanted to have a a three dimensional character that had a lot of conflict. And uh, that was taken away from him by the producers. I, I read somewhere that there was a scene that was cut where he actually trained an actual uh, Nighthawk um, to fly around and help him fight crime. <laughs> you did not that... read that. <laughs> <laughs> How amazing would that have been, though? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Rutger Howard got the best scene for that too when he did Lady Hawk. I mean, there you go. No justice. <laughs> like Rutger Howard is like Stallone's nemesis forever. Um, <laughs> I do. I do want because one of the uh, the other film that you really mentioned you wanted to talk about was Cobra. Yes. And that is when he he does become he becomes what you know his character Dick De Silva in Nighthawks is moving toward, which is becoming just this unstoppable cop, you know, who's just a monster who kills everything and doesn't pay attention to the rules. And right, everybody, right. Thanks, everybody thanks him for it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like, I, I remember Cobra being like a, like one of those hits um, somewhere like in the, the, um, I don't know where places like in the eighties, as far as like Stallone films go, but I, okay, I know it was well, sandwiched went, in there. It was, it was Rambo, Rocky okay. Four, and Cobra. So like it was okay. Stallone's peak. It was at his peak. Yeah, yeah. So like I remember that movie like being a hit, but not like critically acclaimed. Like when I like I just remember like oh my god, I need to go see that movie, and my parents like rented it one day or whatever. Um, and then I was like, wow, it's got like some satanic shit in this movie or whatever. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's too old for me or whatever, you know, or maybe I'm too young for this. But again, like it, like I was more drawn to it after, like, I, so I watched Cobra and it was like, Hey, this isn't like, you know, Rambo or whatever, but it was like, it almost, it, it always stuck in my head because like I said, I was very much like into like satanic stuff and cult stuff back then or whatever. So it was like one of those, like, hey, it's not this, but let me put it right here. <laughs> I want to get back to it later. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Cobra has always been like a high point in, in like the Stallone uh, cinema verse or whatever, um, for me anyway. And well, then, what's interesting, what's interesting, if I can interrupt. Sure. What's interesting is that then your next movie that he does after that is Over the Top, where he is like. Movie. Where he's like the most sensitive truck driver you've <laughs> ever met, you know, and it's like after after kind of like the the monotone of yeah. Cobra, where he's mm -hmm. just like you know one dimensional. He's a killing machine, and then you've got over the top where he's really trying to be this sensitive dad. Um, you know, he's trying to deal with you know his estranged son. Uh, yeah. You know, plus he's got to win this big wrestling arm wrestling contest. Um, and, and I was just kind of like, B 
Because this is the thing about Stallone, and, and it's what makes him different than uh, Schwarzenegger. It's what makes him different than Van Damme. Is that Sly has always had, and he showed this from the very beginning in Rocky, uh, an incredible vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And like that's what makes Stallone Stallone, is that he has that vulnerability and he has that sense of being real and allows, you know, like it allows for the possibility of him being wounded. Whereas yeah. Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger is a, a monolith and mm-hmm. a juggernaut. And he's not, you know, like he's invulnerable. He's he, he's almost the opposite. Right, right. And so Stallone's vulnerability, I think, is always his greatest asset. It's what makes uh, Rocky human. It's what makes Rambo human. Um, and it's interesting, like, you know, when he just turns that off for Cobra, you're like, dang, like yeah. there is nothing going on for you. But then he turns it back on for over the top. And I thought that was, I mean, it's fun. I think it's cheesy. And, you know, like, it's it's about as 80s as it gets. Right, right. And I was just going to say, like, it adds to that whole era of just, like, being fun and cheesy. Like, you know, that over the top is basically that template of, like, you know, hero movies from the 80s or whatever. You know, yeah. whether they're dealing with, like, their father or their, their a father to somebody or whatever. Like, it's like they're dealing with that personal struggle and then they find it through a, you know, arm wrestling match or whatever, you know, <laughs> or karate match or, you know, any, any, you can sub anything for those, yep. that formula, you know? Um, but it's interesting that you, you mentioned Sly's vulnerability because I, I've, that, I think that's kind of why I've always gravitated towards Stallone. Like, because in a big, like actor, you know, big budget kind of, blockbuster movie star or whatever you don't make a movie where you lose you know what i mean so like when you when you look at the rocky movies like he he wrote those movies so it's like he had that plan already laid out so it's like yes the hero actually loses and then he he comes back and then he he you know he gets the championship or whatever but and never loses again that's, right. <laughs> I mean, it goes it goes from again, it's a perfect illustration like, you know, like in the 70s, mm-hmm. like the hero lost, the hero yeah. died, the yep. like, you know, and then you moved into the 80s and that did not go down. Like no. especially if it was, <laughs> you know, an, a rep, an American representation. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're representing America, you do not lose. Like if you're Chuck Norris, if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you're Stallone, I mean, you do not lose. If you're Michael Budokan, does not lose. If you're Michael Budokan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Michael Dudikoff, shall we? No, let's not. There we go. Done. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. Like it, it's it's interesting how it turned into that, right? Like, yeah. And especially with that, you know, American flag banner to go along with like your action hero or whatever, you know. Yep. Well, do you know? I mean, you know that he was supposed to die in First Blood, right? I heard that John, John John Rambo dies in the book. Yeah, yeah. And and Stallone was like, "No way, no way! You, you can't, you can't kill him." It, in fact, he's still. Uh, well, I don't know if this is still true, but like mm-hmm. uh, the movie Fist that he did after Rocky, mm-hmm. that's the only that's the only time his character has died in a movie. Okay. You know, like you keep thinking, yeah. like you keep thinking he's going to die 
in the Rocky movies, like, right. you're like, right. Like, right. are you, you're, you're not, okay, you're still not, like, at the end of Creed, I totally yeah. thought, okay, well, he's going to die now. <laughs> Me too. But, but no, he <laughs> Spoiler beats alert. Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> he beats cancer. I mean, that's how, that's how tough Rocky is. He's just like, you know what? No, I know that I, plus, he had brain damage. Oh, my yeah. gosh. He had brain damage coming out of Rocky Four. Like, yep. Rocky Five is all about his brain damage. Right. And it's like, you know, he just like, by, by the time Creed rolls around, he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm yeah. fine. I don't have brain damage. I don't have cancer either. Watch this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I think that is, I mean, that is kind of the Stallone mystique is that he understands what his audience wants, Yeah. you know, and he's, he's not going to compromise. He's going to give it to them. But at the same time, like uh, with the other hand, it's almost like he's teasing you all these vulnerable elements that you would right. like, it would blow your mind if it actually happened, you know, but he never actually fully accomplishes what he like almost lays out in front of you. You know, I think you're right. Um, though. I think it is, it is a tease. It's to get you emotionally engaged. And then, you know. but you're like, but you're like, come on. It's kind of like James Bond. You know, James Bond is not going to die, but you love watching him be put in the perilous situations. You love watching right. him like be pushed to the edge. And I think that's the thing with Stallone. That's the thing with Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, same way. Chuck Norris ain't going to die in a movie. Like, yeah. he, it ain't going to happen. But he never, like, aside from the first Death Wish, like, he never really teases you that vulnerability. That's like, Bronson. I'm sorry. Um, Chuck Norris, Bronson. I mean, Bronson will, Bronson, <laughs> Bronson, Bronson actually will die in a movie. But, uh, but Chuck Norris, uh, I don't think he's ever died. Chuck Norris is very interesting, like, as a action star, you know. Like, for me, my favorite Chuck Norris movie of all time, um, I love Silent Rage, but I won't, you know, throw that as my favorite Chuck Norris movie, is um, Lone Wolf McQuaid. Sure. I'll be goddamned if that movie isn't on and I'm not watching it. You know what I mean? Like, that movie, to me, is classic fucking Chuck Norris. Um, yep. and he gets fucking buried alive in his Bronco and he, you know, <laughs> like we need to, we actually need to do that movie for the show. <laughs> I need to watch that again, but like, he's, he's always been an interesting, uh, action star to me because I've never been particularly close to Chuck Norris, but just the mystique that he carries now, like with every meme that you see that, you know, oh, Chuck Norris like, he's the end fight of everything, you know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. the thing that can beat anything <laughs> these days or yep. whatever. I just wonder, like, how did that, how did the leap get from here to there? Like, why not, like, somebody like a Sylvester Stallone or, you know, a Chuck Norris, I'm sorry, Charles Bronson or even Clint Eastwood or whatever. Like, why does it have to be Chuck Norris is the one that's going to, like, save the world or whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, because he oh. had a TV show. Oh, come on. No, no, no. I, Texas I, honestly, Walker. No, I think, but I think that's the answer, though, because that show was on for nine years. Mm, and we're true. talking like nine years of every week is a little mini movie of Chuck Norris kicking ass, right. saving the right. day. Kicking ass, saving the day. Kicking ass, saving And he never <laughs> loses. He never, he barely has a glove laid on him. You know, so yeah. it's like, I think that's, that's the thing about Chuck. I did a, I did Chucktober back in nice. November. <laughs> I watched like you know seventeen Chuck Norris movies, um, because that's kind of what what I do with these. What I've been, uh, what has kind of driven these theme months is I'm watching uh, because 
I, I had not followed Chuck Norris's career. I had not followed Charles Bronson's uh, or even Sylvester Stallone's. You know, like yeah. what I'm what I've been doing is kind of catching up with all the movies of theirs that I missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think before Chucktober, I'd seen maybe three or four Chuck Norris movies, yeah. and you know, for Van Damme, like I'd seen maybe you know five or six. Uh, I've seen. Already in July, I've seen, I think, uh, seven or eight Stallone movies that I hadn't seen before. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, like this is, it's an opportunity for me because I'm fascinated. You, you bringing up Chuck Norris makes me uh, think about this. Like, I'm fascinated by the notion of a performer who is universally considered not a good actor. Yeah. You know, like Chuck Norris... Charles Bronson, uh, Van Damme, like all of them are considered not good actors. Like that's just kind of like accepted. And yet they're huge movie stars, which is all about acting, you know? So it's kind of like, well, how do you do that? And like Stallone, I think is kind of the perfect example because he's somebody who can act, but oftentimes is uh, accused of being limited at best. Like he's not somebody who who has a huge (laughs) range. And it's interesting that he often defaults to that like big, Correct. huge movie actor, action star kind of thing, you know. Yep. Um, and it, one of the films that you mentioned that you watched for uh, Sly in July is um, Expendables. Expendables Correct. three was it? I saw I saw all three of them. I revisited the first two, and I saw the third for the first time. Okay, so but it, that those films are like filled to the brim with all these action guys. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just interesting that the 80s, really, I mean, that's when the movement was, right? Like, the 70s was was that, like, gritty cop kind of thing, and then it yep. moved into, like, the fucking balls-to-the-wall action star of the 80s, you know? Yep. And then you saw some of that in the 90s, but nothing like the 80s. <laughs> like, right. Like, if, if, whatever the 80s is known for would be probably canon action movies and slashers basically <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um and then like you got your com- coming of age movies in there and stuff like that yeah yeah um your john hughes movies right right um so like it, it's it, interesting when you look at all the careers to all these action stars and where they're at now and then like the new breed of action stars you know um like when you look at somebody like the rock compared to um, I would say he's probably comparatively to like a Sly Stallone because he's got that, you know, uh, immense figure or whatever. And he, yep. you know, he's very, he's a very prominent, you know, looking well, action star. Actually, I'm going to, actually, I would, I would say that like The Rock is a perfect blend of Schwarzenegger and Stallone because I think he is a genuinely talented actor. I think he is capable of vulnerability but just mm-hmm. enough vulnerability, but he also has that invulnerability that Schwarzenegger has. Like, like you know, Dwayne Johnson is not going to be beaten ever, yeah. you know? Like, that's just yeah. not going to happen. But he's also really, really funny. Like, yeah. he's, got a, he's got a great sense of humor, and, I mean, that's where I think Schwarzenegger is so self-aware, and mm-hmm. that's why he's, his comedies played better than Stallone's did. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that, and but that The Rock is like 
able to do the action stuff. He's able, you know, like you know he's going to win. He's know he's going to be the good guy, but he's also really fun and self-deprecating as well. Yeah, yeah, and I will say, like, um, my favorite Stallone comedy is when he does it, like, in something like Demolition Man or like Tango and Cash or something like that. Like, like when he's doing it, but he's real cheesy, and it's almost like, um, like the the what's the movie? Um, where like his mom is in it the one stop or my mom will shoot like that's a full-blown comedy and i don't think necessarily like stallone does comedy in that way too well you know have you seen have you seen that movie not since like it first came out i just okay, I remember I, no like, i watched that i had not uh, seen that and boy is it terrible yeah yeah so like that one, and then there's another one where he plays like. Um, now the one just before it called Oscar. That one, yeah, yeah. 1991. I was pleasantly surprised by that. I mean, because he's surrounded by a great supporting cast. He's got John Landis as his director, mm -hmm. and I think he does really pretty. He's not. I don't. I'm not going to say that somebody else might not have been better in the role, but yeah. I think he's really quite good in it. And I think the movie's actually. Uh, I would say underrated. Now, stop or my but mom will one, shoot. Not underrated. <laughs> but I remember Oscar bombing. Like I remember right. him. They both. Yeah, they both. Bombed. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he wanted to try it, but like I think his comedy works better in that like action vehicle yeah. kind of thing. You know. Yeah, when he's when he's commenting on himself or he's making the the jokes that the throwaway jokes, but yeah. he's actually trying to be funny. Yeah. It it's not as successful. Right. Right. Um, but in that regard, like, that's why I, I really liked Nighthawks on this particular viewing, because I get to see it through a prism of, like, this action star that is pretty much, you know, he's probably at, at the twilight of his own career, you know, like, he's, mm -hmm. there's much talked about, um, rumors about, you know, Rambo finally coming to a close, and then, you know, when you consider Creed and how... He's passing that torch on to, like, some newer blood or whatever. So it's like he understands that, like, he's sort of at the twilight of his career, you know. So when you yeah. watch something like Nighthawks, it's like, wow, like, he, he's always been such a promising, and I'll even say, like, filmmaker, not just the star, but just the, somebody with a good eye for, you know, um, film and whatnot, you know. Um, so it's just very enjoyable to, like, go back and see Nighthawks through this, you know, perspective. Um, and also just like, you know, during these heavy times to see stuff getting blown up, it's like, wow. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, just like, I, I thought it was much better than what I remembered. Watching well, good. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I, I, again, I think it's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a perfect film, but I think it's certainly an entertaining film, yeah. and I think it's it's a great introduction to uh, Stallone, the actor, you know, mm -hmm. behind the behind the action star, and it's a fantastic introduction to what Rutger Hauer. And not to mention, sir. Yes, sir. Rutger Hauer's mother and best friend like died during the shooting of this movie. I did not know that. So, like, and, and, like, he he actually chose to keep, you know, working, like, sure. uh, in this debut. So, it, it's somebody that, like, 
man, like when, when you consider Rucker Howard's career and you look at everything that he's been in, even the smaller stuff, um, I think in his later years, he did uh, True Blood. Like he did, like he was a character on, on that show. Well, he was um, the original vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, too. Right, right. Um, but when you consider his career, it's just like he's he's always been not just a striking character, you know. Um, like when you look at uh, something like Blade Runner, where he's got that like just look, you know what I mean? He's got that just crazy, you know, you know, you know the guy is a villain as soon as he steps on the screen, you know. Um <laughs> But again, like when you, when I, I won't like, cause I, I know you haven't seen it, but in Blind Fury, he demonstrates that he can play that like almost like hokey 80s action star kind of thing, like a self-deprecating kind of star, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but, and then he can be in something like Lady Hawk and play the actual hero or, you know, like very, very versatile. Almost like um, when I look at actors of today, that have no problems like playing villains or heroes or whatever, you know, it's just whatever's in front of them. They look at it as a challenge, you know? Um, and then you like as an actor, like, you know, <laughs> like, like, does it trip you out when you see somebody? Um, Cause I know you've played several roles. Uh, and when I saw you, yeah, yeah. I think, was yeah. it last year? Um, a couple of years back, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it playing the, um, you know, like I, I like, I like it when people are able to uh, to accept an actor as an actor and not just a persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I mean I've actually never seen Spy Kids three, but I know Stallone plays like the bad guy in that. I've never seen that. One. Oh, you've never <laughs> seen? Okay, I, I thought I thought That's with a surprise uh, to me. I thought with your kid, uh, you might have seen it already. No. <laughs> but no, I, that's actually news to me because I, I did not know that Stallone played like a villain, like a true blue villain or whatever. Yeah, I think I think uh, you got to check out Spy Kids 3D. I need to see that just with Antonio Banderas. Yeah, I mean, I know he's in it, but like I didn't even know Stallone was a villain in that one. That's funny. But yeah, so I I can't wait. Now, I, I didn't even know that the Scream Factory edition existed up until you just mentioned it for the show. So mm-hmm. I need to get on that. I need to buy that one. Um, because I, I'd, li- I'd like to see more stuff devoted to the film. You know, like, now my interest has peaked. Um, sure. So I, I want yeah. more of it. Um, That's the sign of a good movie. Yeah, yeah. So definitely recommend this film to anybody out there who's listening that might want to discover like uh you know an obscure stallone film that's actually really good and uh if you're a big rutger hauer fan this is a right up your alley as well you know um even if you're a billy d williams fan like he he, <laughs> he wears a bandage on his face for a lot of the running time in this movie but still like i think he adds a certain like flair to his role or whatever um and then fucking joe spinell <laughs> that's like the 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 butter on your cookie or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Nobody puts butter on cookies, Brian. I know. <laughs> Nobody does that. Super Not awkward. Not a um, thing. But again, thank you for being on my show. Um, Thanks, man. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts because, like, some of the things that were discussed about this movie is like making me think. So um, it's always awesome to have like a, a different perspective. 
and somebody that's actually smarter than me on this show talking about these great movies. So thank you oh, for being on the show. To you. Wow. <laughs> that's the butter on your cookie, isn't it? <laughs> I'll put the links on the show, like where people can find you. Cause like I, what you're doing with, you know, Sly in July and then like all these other action stars, like, I think that would be really like a really cool read. Cause you have that on, on your site, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a great experience and it's been a great experiment because I have not, I was not necessarily like the, the biggest eighties action guy. And so I, I kind of missed all of this and I'm always kind of fascinated by pop, pop culture and like, you know, what, uh, what resonated for a, an audience of the time Mm -hmm. and, uh, kind of, I like to go back and see what it was that appealed, you know, or what, right. what didn't appeal, why, why it didn't work. I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm actually quite fascinated by things that don't work, you know, yeah. as, as evidenced by our interest in turkeys and things like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I look forward to an, another one of these shows where you come on and we maybe talk about the last dragon or sure. Cobra or, you know, one of these other cool movies. Um, we could do Seagal in September. Oh my God. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. I got, I, oh my God, I just watched one of his films uh, the other day for the first time in forever. Um, the one with um, the Jamaican gang. Uh, is that is that Marked for Death? Marked for Death, yeah. And I, okay. I forgot how awful it was, but how amazing <laughs> it was at the same time. <laughs> so I'd love to do that with you if, if, you, if you wouldn't mind. I would actually like to get Ian on one of these too. Like, for I think sure. Cool. For sure. But anyway, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you for explaining the, the Kevin story and uh, being my co pilot on this show. It was a pleasure. Have a good one. You too, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I don't know what's on the next show, but uh, it'll be a surprise to you and me as well. So until then. Everybody, I love you guys. Thank you for listening and take care of yourselves and each other. Peace.
Drop on the fire, feel us on my.